This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. It's Wednesday, April the 28th, and our top story today is on a major investigation that's underway after the body of a serving police officer was found in a field near the hamlet of Snowdown. It's been confirmed as 53-year-old Julia James, who was a PCSO. Now, police were called to Woodland off Elsham Road yesterday afternoon and have confirmed the death is being treated as suspicious. Our reporter, Lydia Chantler-Hicks, was there earlier. While the police presence does seem to have been stepped down slightly since yesterday, there are still a number of police vehicles here and more have been arriving since I got here at about 7.30 this morning. Um, They've completely blocked off Aylsham Road between just before the Crescent in Snowdown and the junction with Spinney Lane and Accolt Road in Aylsham. So cars are having to divert to get between those two points. Um, I can just make out in the distance as well a couple of police cars are parked up outside some woodland in Snowdown. There's a police car also blocking off the road in Elsham Road. If you don't know this part of Kent, Snowdown is between Canterbury and Dover and used to be the site of a colliery. It's just south of Elsham and incredibly rural. You can actually see a map at kentonline.co.uk. Lydia has also been speaking to Susan Dreary, who lives there. What's the, the, the village usually like? It's very small. I mean, we've only got about 50 houses here. Most people know everybody, so... But it's it's very out of character. So I don't know. We don't know who she is or what's happened. You know, it's very unnerving, really. And what the, the stretch of road that's been taped off? What, what what's down there? Well, there's a travellers' camp and plus two houses. That's all that's there. Okay. Um, and what's the the kind of feel like this morning generally? I mean, it, you you're just waiting for more information, presumably. Yes, yes, we are. Yeah, because we haven't been. I mean, we haven't been out, so we can't can't get through anyway so they've taped the whole road off from here to Elsham so it's quite a big stretch so whether the police will come around and do door to door we don't know. Leah Southwell also lives in the area and says it's normally incredibly quiet. The last big thing that happened here was in about 2010 where someone found a gun at one of our neighbours properties and nothing really happens you see a patrol car coming through Snowdown once in a blue moon and that's all you see. There's no police around here ever. You would walk miles around here and not see anybody. And then all of a sudden there's someone who's sadly been dead. And it's really sad actually because everyone knows everyone around here and no one knew anything about this woman. So it is, and like seeing it last night, walking down here, going to the shop and you couldn't even get down the road. It was actually quite upsetting and worrying because you don't expect this in a small area at all. You just expect to not hear anything like that at all. Like maybe in Dover, yes, but nothing around here this sort of way. I have a friend who's a neighbour, he's just recently moved here, he's 10 years old, and he takes himself on bike rides by himself, and I do the same. I walk the dog, my neighbour's dog sometimes, and now it is worrying me to go on my own now. And in case I do, so it does happen to me, like always keep my phone on charge now when I'm out, and that 10-year-old, I'm going to look after him just in case something does happen, like I'll be with him. Assistant Chief Constable Tom Richards has said today they're carrying out a number of lines of inquiry. They've also appealed for anyone who was in the area on Monday and Tuesday who may have seen something suspicious to get in touch. 
at the time of producing today's podcast. No arrests have been made. Anyone living in the area has also been told to expect to see increased police presence as investigations continue. We do follow Kent Online on socials for any updates. We'll also have them at kentonline.co.uk where you can follow the live story. Kent Online News. An 18-year-old from Ashford has been found guilty of murder following a stabbing in the town. Jaden McFarlane, who was 19, was killed when rival gangs clashed in March last year. Osita Alagbayaso from Hooper's Way is due to be sentenced in August. A man's died following a fire at a flat in Folkestone. Crews were called to Castle Hill Avenue in the early hours of this morning and investigations underway to find out how it started. At Kent Online, you can see CCTV of a man police want to speak to after someone tried to push a girl to the floor and kiss her. It happened close to a primary school as she walked to a dance class along Maxwell Road in Welling on Friday. The victim suffered scratches to her neck. The suspect has been described as white in his early 30s and with curly hair. He was also wearing a Christmas jumper. Now, as more of us are made eligible to have the COVID vaccine, there's yet another reminder in Kent not to give up the opportunity. Infection rates in Kent and Medway have fallen well below the national average, with 293 new cases reported in the week to last Thursday. Anyone aged 42 or over can now have a vaccine. GP Dr Satvindalal is in charge of the rollout in Rochester, Strood and Medway South's primary care networks. We've all had a horrible year and the vaccines for us is a massive light at the end of the tunnel. We've seen that infection rates have dropped dramatically. Yes, partly due to lockdown, but actually, you know, the rollout of the vaccine programme means we've protected our most vulnerable patients. It's a rapidly evolving process. You know, we've had to make changes. COVID changes all the time. There are new variants all the time. And I think it's really important that younger people do step forward to have the vaccine. I understand the concerns around risks and benefits, but actually, if we want to get out of this pandemic, our adult population does need to be vaccinated. Because if you aren't, um, yes, the younger population might not get unwell, but if you infect someone else that is potentially vulnerable, um, and again, we don't know how long the immunity for these vaccines lasts, there is a risk of spreading it to someone you might you know love and 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 things so it's not i'm not trying to emotionally blackmail anyone but i think it's really important to recognize that we ourselves may not feel unwell or be too unwell with covid but there is an impact on other people around you the other part of it is is uh, we're seeing emergence of long covid um and and the challenges around that and even patients that have had mild covid symptoms can go on to develop long COVID, which can be quite debilitating, actually. We have patients that we've had to refer into the clinics that have been off for the last year. Um, and they, the young patients, they're, you know, in their 40s and their 30s. So I would strongly encourage you. I think if you have concerns, you need to have those conversations with your um, healthcare professional. So speak to your I wouldn't say GP necessarily. You can speak to the practice nurses. Um, everyone's well-versed in in managing it but you you know you can even if you booked an appointment and came along to the clinic and wanted to discuss your concerns further I, I would encourage it I wouldn't say no the Kent Online podcast with Serenity Parks
More than 40 shops and places to eat in just one high street in Kent have closed in the past year. The full impact of the pandemic has been highlighted in the figures from Canterbury. Just over 13% of units there are unoccupied. That's almost 3% up on this time 12 months ago. However, business leaders say they're optimistic for the future with 25 new outlets opening. People living in flats in Ramsgate have been left with repair bills of more than £200,000 each, which the council is refusing to cover. The 19th century Royal Crescent building on the seafront needs essential work, but leaseholders are being told they'll have to pay for it. Councils say they've made the decision after taking legal advice. More than 3,000 people have signed a petition for seafront lifts in Thanet to be repaired to improve disabled access to beaches. The council announced earlier this month that the lifts at Viking Bay in Broadstairs and Eastcliff in Ramsgate would be closed. They've now reversed that decision and say they'll try to get them fixed by the summer season. A couple who took over a famously wonky shop on Rochester High Street say they're slightly surprised to find out it's supposed to be haunted. Jamie and Lynn Ashman opened Food Glorious Food in the Grade 2 listed property in March. Well, 400 years ago, it used to be a brothel. And legend has it that one punter got a little too touchy and was thrown into the cellar and had his fingertips cut off. Well, the couple have noticed some funny goings on, including bottles crashing off shelves, peppers flying across the shop and the radio mysteriously playing classical music. But they're not put off and say they're prepared to get the place exercised if necessary. And finally, have you ever set yourself a bit of a daft challenge, then realised it's got rather out of control? Well, you're not the only one. Gareth Wilde thought he'd try and park in every single space of the car park at Sainsbury's near his home in Bromley. And not when the store was shut and the car park empty, just on his normal trip to get the shopping. Over to you, Gareth. I kind of find the uh, enjoyment in the little banal things in life. So um, I I do the weekly shop in our family uh, and I've been going to the same Bromley for the last 16 years. And it, I mean, it was only really, I don't know, six years ago that I thought to myself, wow, I could, I could probably park in um, every single one of these spaces given enough time. And you know what time is time is on your side when you're doing the weekly shop each week so um i uh i did a little bit of investigation rather than going around and literally counting each space um i, I went on google maps and got an overhead shot of it um and you know figured out exactly how many spaces there were how many i could legitimately park in because you know i'm not a blue badge holder of, i don't have a motorcycle uh, but i do have a family so i can park in the family bays uh so um, yeah, I, I've, I found it online and uh, slowly wanted to tick it off one by one because that's what you do when you're, you're you know, facing otherwise quite, quite mundane things. We've done some, well, we, I've done some nice sort of overhead views of what it looks like there. And then to, to make things easier, assign different zones. <laughs> the more I say it, the more stupid it sounds. I've assigned different zones to um, each of the areas and then numbers on top of that, just so that each time that I went, it was easier for me to know what ones I still had left to tick off rather than, you know, like a scattergun approach. I wanted to at least go into it, um, you know, fairly clued up because, you know, when you're doing something this daft, it's uh, it's important to be thorough. <laughs> so, so, so are you systematically going zone by zone then? Yeah, well, I, I sort of like there are a couple of zones which are really desirable. Like, yeah, again, when I say desirable, like in the world of car parks, um, uh, that these spaces are more desirable. So close to the front of the store, ones that are close to trolley bays, but not so close that you're next to it, because then you're getting 
uh, you could potentially scratch your car up on the, 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 the railings which go down the side, you know, they're, they're quite quite risky. So I've, uh, I, as well as creating a map of all the, all the spots, I also created a map of the desirable and the less desirable spots. And uh, that helped me sort of tick off, yeah, uh, which ones to get, which ones that I always need to keep an eye out for as well, because um, yeah, if, if, if one of those was free, I had to bag that and then I could move on. I was going to say, is there a, was there a point where there any pesky ones where every time you turned up, you were like, oh, that, that's the, like your white whale of a parking space in Bromley, Sainsbury's? Yeah, without, I mean, without getting too technical. I mean, if you see the diagrams, when I say B7 and B8, you all know exactly what I mean. But um, <laughs> yeah, they were, they were really difficult to get. Like, I don't know what it is, because they're not even great spots, but people just seem to love them. So um, I went down one evening for snacks, and uh, it was quite late, and I managed to snag... I think it was B8, and it was, oh, that was a, that was a real moment in my uh, life. The question is, though, is that did you actually go down there for snacks or was that an excuse to try and tick off their <laughs> space? I'll never tell. Gareth was chatting to Ollie there. You can see his groovy graphics and the best places to park at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online Sport. Football, and we've got more now on Dover Athletics' decision to go part-time next season. Told you about this on the podcast yesterday, and joining me to chat about it is sport reporter Luke Cordell. So, Luke, what does it mean for the club? Dover Athletic have been here before, really, going part-time. Um, only a few years ago, they were they were part-time, and they went full-time, which um, brought its own sort of issues because there was a lot of players that they had on their books that couldn't actually play full-time football because they had jobs and they did actually lose some good talented players the likes of Connor Essam had to depart because they had their jobs during the day so they couldn't train so going part-time isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world for for Dover and in some ways it, it's a bit of a could be a bit of a benefit really because from being a full-time team competing against some real big teams in the National League trying to compete for the same players they're now trying to complete compete in a different market looking for part-time players and they're they're one of the top sides now looking for part-time players so for a lot a lot of people Dover will now be will now be a team that they might want to go and uh, go and have a word with and um, it's down to Andy Hessenthaler now to go and find those players I know the agents have already been on his on his phone sort of giving him some some names and and he'll be keen to explore them and um there's no doubt that there are some quality players that want to play part-time football because if they've got a decent job in the day, they can play a couple of nights in the week. You know, train Monday, Tuesday, train Thursday night. You know, all evening, evening training, and they can they can work and earn a decent wage in in the sort of day as well. So some players might be quids in playing part-time, and um, it's down to Hesse now to to go and find those players. Um, it has been it has been a torrid time really. I mean, up to this point for Dover, they. They stopped play after 15 games. I know a lot of their games prior to that were, were called off because of postponements for the weather, for, for COVID issues, for, for all sorts of reasons. They were bottom of the table at the time, but um, it was a season that they just want to look to to write off and forget about, really. Um, the fallout to, to them stopping playing, I mean, they stopped playing because they had no fans, they had no income. They just couldn't afford to carry on playing, but they were the only team in the National League that stopped playing. And they've been hit by a by a fine for a twelve point fine and a forty thousand pound fine, which they're they're keen to fight. They've got some lawyers on board that are, that are doing it for free. They they've offered to to do their services for for no charge whatsoever. Um, and they're take they're taking the fight all the way. Really, they've got the the local politician Natalie Elphick on board, um, who's also speaking to the likes of Tracy Crouch, 
who's the former sports minister. They've spoken to the sports minister as well, Nigel Huddleston. So they've got some people on board. They're not going to take this um, this punishment lying down. They don't. They feel it's unjust that they've been punished for for being told to play on when they couldn't afford to during the COVID crisis. Um, but they've, you know, finances are going to be tight. They've not got a lot of money. They're going part time. Um, the manager Andy Hesitol has um, agreed to stay on. He, he sees it as a great challenge. He's going part time himself. He's now got to have discussions with last season, well, this season's coaching staff that were put on furlough and whether they want to carry on. I know he's keen for assistant manager Nicky Southall to stay on. They've been, they've worked together for many years. Um, good friends, you know that they'll definitely want to stay on. But it's, it's down to Nicky Southall whether he wants to carry on work, working with Hesse under what is no doubt less money um, but I think everybody's got to come to that realisation that Dover won't be paying what they were before because they just don't have the, don't have the money. Cricket and Kent's Heino Coon insists they can still win the county championship despite their slow start to the season. Kent have lost two of their three matches and drew the other one. They head to Glamorgan tomorrow. Staying with Kent and the club have confirmed they'll be joining football teams, the FA and Premier League, in boycotting social media this weekend. It's in solidarity with sports people who've suffered online abuse and trolling. Players have agreed to do the same. And a new 100-mile record has been set in Kent. Lithuania's Alexander Sorokin completed the distance at the Julie Rose Stadium in Ashford in a time of 11 hours, 14 minutes and 56 seconds, beating the previous record by around three minutes. And he didn't stop there. He went on to run for 12 hours in total, covering a staggering 105.8 miles. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app. That will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.